And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addison. As I mentioned before the break, we have our friend Lieutenant Colonel Alan West in the studio. Hello, sir. It's good to be with you. Thanks for being here. This is our very short segment, kind of cruise through the news. Yeah. And so I'm going to start with the NFL. I'm just going <laughs> to say, <laughs> you know, just to say, I always thought it. It should just be an employer-employee issue. The owner, you know, this whole ordering, the, telling the teams they have yeah. to honor the flag. Goodell had a statement this week. Essentially, NFL has to stand for the national anthem. Do you think that's the right call for them to make? Well, you know, again, this is something that the owners should be uh, telling the players. You, you work for this organization. You represent us. You look at the NBA right now. In the NBA championship, they have the uh, – the, the rule that you will be out there on the court and you will all stand and you will pay, uh, you know, respect and honor and reverence to the doing the playing of the national anthem. You know, the NFL really botched this thing up last year, and let's just hope and pray they don't do it again because their ratings will continue to suffer. And, again, if people want to make some type of protest, some type of social justice statement, you know, they have plenty of their own time to do that on. But when you're there and you have on that uniform, uh, like you say, you're an employee. I agree. I I did some media this week, and I was just saying, it's just like if you owned a grocery store, any kind of store, if I came to work and I had a I'm with her or the Hillary shirt or a Make America Great, I think most bosses would say, you know, you're going to alienate some customers. You need to just... Well, no, that's not the place. I mean, you're you're there to work to provide goods and services to uh, the customers. And so these guys are... You know, they're in, in a sports entertainment, uh, you know, venue, and that's what they're supposed to do. You know, they have their own personal Facebook, Twitter, whatever, and they can do as they wish on their own time. Amen. Okay, next thing. I don't know if you saw this story, and I think I forgot to send it to you, but the TSA in Hawaii, or a TSA office in Hawaii, was ordered to pay a million dollars to three whistleblowers because these agents spoke up to say, Essentially, the procedures aren't right. Bad things are happening. These are fixes. And instead of responding, they demoted them and transferred them. I don't even know if I say that story. but No, that's totally wrong. I mean, because they're covered by the whistleblower act. Well, you know what else? A million dollars, that's taxpayer money. I mean, it's not. Yeah, yeah. Well, well again, think about it. When they, um, the EPA, they released the, uh, what was the, the toxic substance in the river out there in New Mexico and Colorado and everything, you know, you can't sue these government organizations because if you do, like you say, this is taxpayer money. So who is responsible? Who is culpable when you have these, these rude type of uh, incidents or when you have something that's a violation of the law, which is a violation of the whistleblower act. I think that too. And I also just, I would love if president Trump, I know he has nothing else in his agenda, but I would love if he would begin to be more assertive about civil service and, and kind of the attitude of people. I just think he could make some changes about the. Well, I think that's something that each and every uh, director of these agencies should be doing. And again, it goes back to the, the unionization of government employees, which happened back during the Kennedy administration. So this is an executive act, an executive order that Kennedy did, and it can be reversed. I would love that. I would, I just thought all, you know, my background is a labor lawyer on the management side. I would, I never thought it was the right thing that publicly compensated people, public employees should have union rights. And, and, you know, even Franklin Delano Roosevelt was against that. But you're absolutely right because, you know, they're dealing with our money. I mean, if, the, if this is something from a private sector perspective, but when you're allowing folks to, quote, unquote, collective bargain with our taxpayer dollars, something's wrong. Exactly, because the taxpayers have no one at the bargaining table. Nobody. 
That's, that is the most, when you start to think through that basic thing, whether you were just selling a house and negotiating, if you know you're the owner or you're the buyer, your interests are in your head and your heart. But when you're, you don't have the taxpayers really represented. Yeah. Yeah. It's a terrible thing. Okay. And you know, I was also on the subject of the fall elections. We have a lot to talk about tonight, but I want to run through this because we have 2018 midterms coming up yeah. and all this worry about the blue wave and the, nah, we're going to lose. You know a what? ripple in a pond now. Yeah, you know what? I'm not even, I will tell you, I, I said a few weeks ago, I think that the Republicans can just remain strong and say, look at the economy, look at your taxes. What well, is it the Democrats the, the, have to run on? The, well, that's the exact point. The problem is that the Republicans are the worst communicators and marketers of their own <laughs> success that the world has ever known or seen. I mean, they need to hire a, a, a serious spokesperson to get out there and speak about the things that they're doing. Are you available? <laughs> but the but the the thing the converse to that is that the the progressive socialists of the Democrat Party are so bad, you know. When you have someone like Nancy Pelosi stand up and saying, "When I become Speaker of the House, the first thing I'm going to do is repeal the tax cut law," well, good luck with that. Or you know, you're standing up and you know defending uh, MS13, or you're defending Hamas, or you like uh, criminal illegal immigrants, and you uh, support mayors like the mayor out in Oakland who is tipping off criminal illegal immigrants. I mean, what are you going to run on? Sanctuary cities, sanctuary states? No, they they don't have a chance. I mean, and to say that, you know, our most important thing is going to be to impeach the president, again, good luck with that. I think that's actually, you're you're seeing more uh, serious pundits on the left saying this is not smart to run on we promise to impeach Trump. The people's heart, I mean, I mean, some of the real rabid left base want that, but most America doesn't want that. And you think what the Democrats have to run on, you know, raise taxes. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing they're going to insist on, and I want to hit this when we come back from the break, but is there is, among all of the serious Democrat candidates, a insistence that we need to go a single payer. And so I think that you're going to have, do you, do you want more Obamacare, or do you want free market health care? Well, the, the only back? thing you need to say is, do you want the Veterans Administration system for everybody? Love that. This is Debbie George S., Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Come right back. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldiers deployed overseas, often in harm's way. 
The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. We have Alan West in the studio. Is that you singing that song? Yeah, that is me. Do you like my voice? Yeah, very nice. Angelic. <laughs> yes. That is Krista Branch. I love our music. I love that music so much. I just think it's the spirit of the show. So we were talking in the break. The other thing I meant to do on the cruise to the news was the vote in Ireland, mm-hmm. which was to repeal their one of their constitutional... Eighth Amendment. It was the Eighth Amendment that uh, basically said there would not be any abortions in Ireland unless... It was the certified health of the mother was uh, was at risk. But now, and George Soros backed this uh, movement to have the Eighth Amendment repeal, and and it was uh, I think sixty eight percent. It wasn't even close. So now they're moving toward having quote unquote legalized abortions, which means they'll be killing their unborn children in uh, Ireland. Yeah, and you know I'm glad you mentioned George Soros. We've talked about that a lot in the show that. 
people watch things in culture in America and Europe, and they think, well, that's odd. I don't think that's right, but I guess I'm out of step. Other people think this. They don't realize how much of thought is manipulated by the organizations that he funds. And it's not him standing giving a speech, but all these organizations, and they're especially adept at creating happy-sounding names. Of course. Very euphemistic. One of them that is a Soros-funded, don't ever give them money if you get anything in the mail, Faith in America. I mean, it's like write a check because, oh, yeah, I'm in favor of faith in America. Mm-hmm. And it's George Soros. So, yeah, he's behind all that. that um, all, all many things you see that, that just seem like inconsistent yes, with is. the culture of the people. Yes, he is. OK, so back to the midterm elections. I, I got to tell you, I agree with you. I think we're over. I think we have to always work hard. Every election cycle, you got to oh, yeah. knock on every door and make every call and do everything. But I think that America is happier with the direction of our country than the left and the media want people to think. Well, we, you look at what is going on. Okay, just last night, we, the 17th person that was detained by some foreign power was returned to the United States of America. I mean, 17. I mean, how many times did that happen in the Obama administration? I mean, they were thanking the Iranians for bringing back our sailors that they exploited and they took uh, under arms and took pictures of it, you know, put them on their knees with their with their hands up. And John Kerry is thanking them for it. But you look at the fact that we're being tougher with North Korea, uh, North Korea, you know, he understands that he is facing, uh, you know, whether or not he's going to survive. We we. We have the high ground against them. We're, we're putting pressure on China. Uh, you know, you have more sanctions, the toughest that you've ever seen against Russia. You know, those people that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton gave a little yellow toy box called a reset <laughs> button to, and they said they'd have more flexibility. And uh, we're, we're rescinded and uh, withdrew from the Iranian nuclear agreement. So the Americans see, uh, you know, ourselves once again being strong and living by the Reagan mantra of peace through strength. And they, you know, as James Carver once said, is the economy stupid? Oh, yeah. I do want to hit the economy for a second, but you, in a second. But you mentioned North Korea. I read something very interesting. I wonder what you thought about it. It was talking about how, you know, that we got to where we are. We thought we were going to have a, a summit. Now it's maybe, it's maybe off, but maybe it's still on. They're kind of hedging about it. But I read it that, that um, Kim Jong-un is a little bit afraid to leave his country sure. very often. Because of being afraid of being overthrown by his own military. Do you think that's real? Well, I think that's a very important part of it. I mean, he, you know, just takes a train over to China. That's the only time he has ever left the country. But really, I think that Kim Jong-un thought that, you know, I would get concessions from the United States of America. But what you have seen, because normally that's what we've done every time with his his father and his grandfather. Anytime, you know, they wanted more economic aid or financial aid, they rattled their sabers and everything. It was the the grandest level of, of, of a Pavlovian experiment and extortion <laughs> that I've ever seen. It's like the kid in yeah. the cereal aisle at the grocery store throwing a tantrum. Uh, but now he has come up against someone that says, you know, the sanctions stay. You know, we're going to continue with these exercises. Okay, we'll back off on the B-52 bombers, but we're going to continue with the exercises. And he's not getting anything back. And and he's in a very perplexing situation. And the Chinese are as well because they don't want to lose that very important ally on the Korean Peninsula. Yeah, you know, this is such an interesting thing to watch because when President Trump was first elected, many much of the commentary was about, my gosh, he's inexperienced, he has no State Department experience, he's never been in Congress, and he's kind of a blowhard, and he's going to blow up the world, he's going to cause so much trouble. They were afraid his of his strength. His yeah, Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is that the left would rather be weak. And what they don't understand is Americans don't want weakness. 
Yep. Americans cheer for for the winners. I mean, look at what's going on right now. The NBA championship, the college baseball championships, women's softball championships. We cheer for winners. We don't want the losers. We don't want to be a part of a losing team. And that's just something they don't comprehend and, and they don't understand. And so when you see them, you know, gleefully, you know, poking fun at the president saying, oh, Kim Jong-un has the high ground now because we canceled the meetings or, you know, his 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 sister at the Winter Olympics and yes. how they were fawning over her. She's the minister of propaganda. She is the Joseph Goebbels of, of North Korea. But yet they're fawning over a person that never said a word, Debbie. The woman <laughs> never said a word, but yet they were talking about how great and graceful and everything she was. Right. That's right. a horrible image that the left is putting out there. It is. I love your point that Americans want strength and they want to see us as winners, but also people like Kim Jong-un, when you are, as President Obama was, so uh, weak and... and Acquiescing. That's a good word, yes. Acquiescing. You embolden people like that. And this was, it just is a great thing to see. Kim Jong-un, all of a sudden he's thinking, wow, I thought Obama was America, but this Trump guy is a whole different... No, no, they, they, they fail to realize that Americans are, we like to fight back. We really do. And, and, you know, we, we do not want to be pushed around. You know, what they saw when they the, the Iranians took those sailors and put them on their knees at gunpoint, yeah. that's not America. That that really upset so many people or, you know, all the other many different things, you know, le- abandoning Americans to die in Benghazi and then lying about it. That's not America. Yep. You know, you're uh, hitting a lot of themes that are in something you wrote, and I want to tell our listeners about it. I didn't discover until today in preparing for the show, and I'm sure it's been around a little while, but Alan West has a new... Three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. A great new website. I really want to encourage you to go to it. It's called theoldschoolpatriot.com, but it is... Very fun to go to. It's very easy to find stories. It's very, it's very inviting. And so one of the, I mean, I just really love your new website. I compliment your new website. I love that. Well, you should compliment the administrator, a uh, young lady uh, who lives out there in the Bay Area, and her name is Marie. And I've known her for about almost 10 years. And, you know, I had some, a falling out with the previous, uh, you know, website administrator. I did not like all the pop-up ads and, and some other things that were happening, the, the clickbait themes and yes. what have you. I, it just, I just finally got tired of it. And so uh, Marie has done an exceptional job. Oh, it's just so good, folks. I cannot encourage you enough to go look at it. And one article you had, which I want to talk about, you had How to Talk to Dictators, which I was reading at my desk and kind of laughing because it just sounds <laughs> like you. But essentially, speaking about how in history, we should have learned from history, yes. how America and other powers are on the good side should stand up against brutal dictators. So you had, in part, you were talking about, you're making the analogy, which a lot of people make, but still you made it so well, the comparison about how Churchill dealt with uh, with Hitler and, and Germany yeah, versus Neville Chamberlain. Chamberlain. A- absolutely. I mean, when you, you, when you understand that Chamberlain went there, and really the great Western powers at the time, England and France, and they were in such a compromising way and an attitude, and most of the German leaders were very tenuous, very nervous about the aggressive nature of Hitler because they felt they were so infantile in their military development that England and France would crush them. But because, you know, these two countries, especially Chamberlain, they just so wanted peace that they were willing to do anything and everything that Hitler wanted. So he said, give me the Sudetenland and we'll be cool. Well, they gave him the Sudetenland. He overran Czechoslovakia and then he overran 
uh, uh, Poland. And uh, this Munich Accord, he said it was just a piece of paper, while Chamberlain said, you know, this is peace in our time. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the great quote that uh, Churchill gave to Chamberlain was that, you know, you went there, you had the choice between dishonor and war, you chose dishonor, and we will still have war. That's exactly the same thing that has happened with the eight years of the Obama administration, strategic patience with North Korea. Yep. Look what that got oh. us. Reset button with Russia. Look what that got us. The the complete uh, you know acquiescence to China, and look what they're doing in the South China Sea. And then, of course, we sent pallets of billions of dollars to Iran, and now look at where Iran is. Iran's you know Revolutionary Guards Corps and his coups force and Hezbollah and Hamas, they're all over the place. Yeah, I just love that theme. I just think there's so much about President Trump and his, even when he was speaking in his 2016 election cycle, I don't even know if he knew the, he certainly doesn't know the depth of policy and history that you do, or that ma- at many people in the State Department, but he just had a very, uh, just, you, you could sense it in his words that this is a guy who loves America. Mm-hmm. He's going to keep America strong. He's going to stand up for America. And people wanted that. They never liked that feeling under eight years of President Obama. That- no, it's common sense. It's just common sense when you see something, you know, this isn't right. A $500 billion trade deficit with one country, that's not right. <laughs> yep. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. I'm so glad he's in the studio. And we're going to zip off to a break. I just have a lot of stories I want to run through in the day's news. I think next we're going to turn to um, uh, Mr. David Hogg and the NRA protests in Florida. I got a clip to play, and then I want to hear what you think they should do about it. Come right back. Be ready to bleep. (laughs) America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. 
Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. And welcome back to American Community Talk. I got a text on the uh, break, and I guess I may have not said the name of Lieutenant Colonel Allen West's new website correctly, so I'm going to say it again. It is theoldschoolpatriot.com. You are absolutely correct. Okay. And I actually stumbled across, I think off of Twitter. I think somewhere I found it off of Twitter. But um, anyway, so the old school patriot. And I just, you'll just love it. You really, really love it. And um, and honestly, I, I asked him to tell you the truth. I asked him on a break, did you write this stuff or somebody else write this stuff? Because I didn't know. I mean, well, that, that hurts my feelings. I mean, I didn't think you couldn't write it. I just thought you're no, a busy that, guy. That, that hurts my feelings. <laughs> I know well, I'm from the South, but, you know, I can string together can some spell. intelligent thoughts. I can spell. Seriously, he is an, an enormous intellect, as anyone who knows Alan West. But I just know you're very busy. You speak. It just seems like I'm always noticing, oh, you spoke here, spoke there. So it takes time to write. So I, I love your writing, and I appreciate it very much. Yes. I, I encourage you to go to that um, website. Okay. <laughs> Boy, I, I, I think I'll walk out now. Don't do that. Okay. Maybe I'll do a die-in. Oh, okay. That's a great time. Okay, there is a segue. So we have, I first want to play for you. If You you may know the name David Hogg, H-O-G-G. He's one of the high school students who was at the Florida High School in the unfortunate shooting. And he's become a, you know, uh, an enormous ego, thinks he's heading up Saving America. And he is leading this movement. Um, and they had an incident in Florida that I want to ask Greg to play clip two. And then we'll talk about what this young man orchestrated at a grocery store. Publix. In- Publix, Publix. Mm-hmm. yeah, is the name of the store in Florida. Everybody get down for 12 minutes, starting right now. 
Led by MSD shooting survivor David Hogg, students and supporters stage a die-in at the Publix just blocks away from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. They're angry that the supermarket donated more than a half a million dollars to NRA supporter and gubernatorial candidate Adam Putnam. When politicians get money from the NRA, when Adam Putnam takes $670,000 from public supermarkets, we call BS. While sprawled out on the floor near the produce aisle, Hogg read the names of each person killed, many remembering their friends who were murdered. We call BS. The Parkland students weren't the only ones rallying. Okay, so this was in a grocery store, and many of these young people, David, I want to talk about the public's reaction, the grocery yeah. store named public's reaction, which was not that impressive. But David Hogg and his fellow students physically laid down on the floor of the grocery store and blocked aisles, blocked access, and uh, did the chant you just heard. So mm-hmm. to start with, I would think I would have had him arrested. Well, yeah, because this is private property. And the other thing you have, you know, Stoneman Douglas High School is in the district that I represented. And Coral Springs was as well. So I know this area very well. And, uh, you know, I still have a home in Plantation, which is maybe about 10 minutes just south from Coral Springs. This is what is so disturbing about this. I know Adam Putnam. Adam Putnam right now, former member of Congress. He is the Secretary of Agriculture there in Florida. And look, I've gone before the Political Action Committee uh, for Publix. It is the largest employee-owned grocery store chain in the United States of America. This is a great success story. Now, the question that I would ask to David Hogg if he was sitting here, maybe he's listening. You should tune in to America Can We Talk. Maybe you can learn something. Why aren't you protesting at the Broward Superintendent's office? Why aren't you protesting at the Broward Sheriff's office? Why aren't you protesting for the uh, Scott Peterson, the Broward Sheriff's deputy, that did nothing? So I don't understand what does Adam Putnam have to do with what happened at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas? What does Publix have to do with what happened at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas? What does the National Rifle Association have to do with what happened at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas? I am sick and tired of this honorary, brash, belligerent, obtuse little boy that is, for whatever reason, getting this attention when someone should tell him to shut up and put him in his place. If he wants to be upset about something, go talk to Robert Runcie and get him to explain this promise program and why Nicholas Cruz was there and his behavior was excused. Or the 45 times that the Broward Sheriff's Office went to the home of Nicholas Cruz on domestic disturbance. Or the FBI, they got two tips. You know, this is, you know, the, the, the ideological politicized agenda of the left. And they're using this kid who, you know, Publix and everyone else, someone needs to be the adult and step up and tell this kid to shut up. If you want to be upset, we got it. But be upset at the people that have something to do with it. I'm a board member of the NRA. I don't have blood on my hands. The NRA is not a terrorist organization. These are six million everyday Americans. But I will tell you this, Debbie, I want this kid to keep talking because you know why? We got added 600,000 new members to the NRA since he's been running his mouth. Uh, the uh, the NRA convention that was here in Dallas, a record amount mm-hmm. of attendees, 87,154. 15-year fundraising record since he's been running his mouth. Because they have lost the high ground on this issue and they've turned it into something ideological instead of fixing the problem. I think we should just end the show right now. That was just such a... <laughs> no, I mean, the kid, he that just, he just gets me st- upset. 
Oh, he gets me so upset, and I do. And this I, is a Friday. This happened on a Friday going into the Memorial Day weekend. So what do you think is happening in a grocery store on a Friday before a Memorial Day? Everyone's shopping for the weekend trip away. They're, going, they're, they're in there packing up for the weekend, Yeah, <laughs> trying to get ready for the weekend. So there was a good thing. There were, I, I, I back said a minute ago, I was disappointed in the grocery store. Uh, first, to say, the reporter that I played the brief excerpt, he pointed out that earlier in the day, Hogg, David Hogg had threatened the store, and the store put out a statement saying, okay, we're going to step back, we're going to reexamine our, donate, our donation policy, reexamine our entire system of deciding. Where, and, and so that seemed as though they were backing off, and although they already donated money to this gubernatorial yeah. candidate who supports the NRA. But, and then within, it turned out Hogg, turned on a dime 10 minutes later and said, never mind, we are going to do our protest. I mean, it was just a an attention-getting, petulant thing. But the the thing about Publix is, I don't know what the right, what some PR person would say, but I don't know how you shut this kid down uh, without getting them arrested, having him fear because he is now emboldened. He's been, he's, he is absolutely emboldened because we don't have adults that stand up. Including uh, his parents. Where are his parents? Well, the, trust me, the parents are probably enjoying this. Uh, they, they're far left anyhow. Oh, okay. But but the thing is, public should have should have very simply said, "This is private property. If you come in here, you disrupt our business and and our private property, we will have you arrested." And the other thing is, you don't challenge us with our our processes and procedures as far as you know political contributions. We had nothing to do with what happened at your high school. We suggest that you go and find the people that were culpable, find the people that were responsible for what happened, and then focus on them. At some point in time, like I said, Debbie. We need someone to be an adult and to stand up and, 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 and tell this kid enough is enough. Yeah, and I like that you mentioned the Promise program, too, because this is another thing I wish there was more attention on the media is the consequence of these uh, happy talk, you know, flowery-sounding, lovely programs mm-hmm. that left-wingers think up that they say they're protective, they're to help young people not end up with a terrible thing in their records, they can move forward. But the end, so that the Promise program basically was to try to redirect if a student committed a crime or instead of having a, a pursuit of it, they would they would cover up for it and put him back into yeah, the... the and, there were no arrests of students on school property. So no record. No so record. So no record created. So then this idea, which was allegedly to help young people, ended up having however many young people it was that day, 15 killed. 17 be- killed. 17, because they didn't want to go after someone. And it's, again, it's that failure of accountability. They didn't want a kid to be accountable, This the, the shooter, Nicholas, Nicholas Cruz. Cruz, to be responsible for his own conduct. You know, it's amazing to me because this kid was expelled from Stoneman Douglas High School because of violence, threats, and, and violent behavior. You know, that should have been reported. He should have been arrested. He should have had a record. And again, 45 times his home was visited and nothing. And furthermore, this is not what David Hogg is talking about. So, you know, folks out there listening, someone has to step up to the plate. I, I'm, I'm glad to do it. And, and I hope someone challenges me on it because I'm sick and tired of this young man. Well, not even young man. I'm sick and tired of this boy. I really am. Yep. You, and I think you're not alone in that. I just think that. And the other thing I wanted to mention, because it was the headline of the story was that in addition to this demanding that or complaining that Publix had made a donation to this gubernatorial candidate, he, David Hogg, is demanding a million dollar donation to his from Publix to him, to his uh, we call BS. That's extortion. Thing. 
Yes, and yeah. an anti. He wants the store to make an anti NRA pledge. This is this kid has developed an ego. A, 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 he's on a power trip, thinking I'm going to tell a major this business yeah. what they have to do. Well, he's a demagogue now, but you know what? He is. Uh, maybe he's the new Jesse Jackson or the new Al Sharpton because that's what they perfected. They absolutely did. That's a very good point. That's a very good analogy. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> you should write. <laughs> okay. I should write. <laughs> can you teach me how to spell? I can. Actually, when we come back, <laughs> I do want to talk about another story. Again, I want to mention that our um, our guest has a fabulous new website, or new to me, um, had not been on up until today, um, which is theoldschoolpatriot.com. Okay, I'm looking, I'm right in the eye, right? Now. You got it. And you're an old school patriot, Debbie. I am. Oh, yeah, I am. And uh, and we come back, I want to talk about something else, that there was an article by uh, the elitist Paul Krugman of the New York Times talking about America is on just a terrible path. Everything's going to heck. And I do want to hear, I'm going to ask your reaction. You wrote about it, but it's just a really good example of, this like this parallel universe. We have the left claiming everything's falling apart, and most of America saying, wow, everything seems great. Debbie George asked, America, we talk, Lieutenant Colonel West, come right back. The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind, is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. And Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Do you dream of a better world? One where poverty and hunger are a thing of the past? What if you could make a real difference in the lives of those most in need? The solution to poverty is not handouts, but hope. The freedom and opportunity to use one's talents and resources for good. At Five Talents, we empower the poor to start their own small businesses. Five Talents works in some of the most difficult places in the world. With $85, you can help a new entrepreneur escape from poverty and build a sustainable business that helps her whole family. 
Can you think of anywhere else your gift can work that effectively? When you walk with five talents, you bring opportunity to those most in need. Join us in demonstrating the greatness of American generosity. Visit 5talents.org today to learn about the impact you can make. That's 5talents.org. F-I-V-E talents.org. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. And welcome back to what I always say is the fastest two hours of my week. I cannot believe the show is almost over. So glad to have in the studio tonight, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. And uh, we're going to try to run through a bunch of stories. I just, I love having his view on a variety of things. And I love having uh, the opportunity to talk to you every week. I wish it was every day to talk about saving America, this most precious country uh, on the planet Earth. Well, to start with, on your new website. Yeah, the, yeah I'm not going to say the name again. Theoldschoolpatriot.com. I knew that. Theoldschoolpatriot.com. An article you wrote um, called The Collapse of Freedom. But it was really good bringing out a larger point that Krugman, the, you know, elitist left-wing socialist uh, writer for New York Times, is... And not that he's not alone. He and other left wingers, yeah. Nancy Pelosi, uh, Pocahontas. Warren. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can say that. I'm not. I am saying that. Yes, I am. Um, and uh, and others, Chuck Schumer, are just decrying the collapse of America. They're watching America since the start of 2017, decrying the collapse. And, and it's just kind of an amazing, uh, it's like a parallel universe observation when I think you're saying just the opposite. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to me because you, you listen to even the pundits, MSNBC, ABC, whatever, you know, America is falling apart, democracy is being destroyed. Uh, Krugman talked about the collapse of freedom. And what is interesting is that when you really think about what, you know, a far leftist, a socialist economic uh, professor that he is, what they're upset about is that they're no longer in charge. Right. They're no longer able to go out there and raise the taxes and, and do all the things that they were doing over the past eight years. They're upset because the new normal is not a 1% GDP growth. I mean, we, we went right straight to 3%, and we may even hit 4% before this year is over. The, the new normal is that we have historic unemployment lows in minority communities. But yet the problem for them is that they're not the ones that are dictating the policy. They're not the ones, you know, with their ideology being the dominant theme and the dominant narrative. And so, therefore, for them, their freedom to to be able to 
uh, impact and and to to control control coercion intimidation mandate that's what they see as a collapse of freedom and that's what we need to have this discussion about and I just wish that the Republicans could, could say that this is the difference between economic empowerment and economic enslavement that's what this is the difference between quality equality of opportunity and equality of outcomes this is the difference between individualism and collectivism. And so that's why they're upset. That's why, you know, you look across the seas and and Europe, and that's why they're so fearful, because everything that they believe in is being proven wrong. Absolutely true. I love how you said that. And I I have to echo back to the 2018 midterms. I think there'd be so much energy, more energy on the Republican side, especially the House races. People are so concerned about the House to say exactly what you just said. What we're seeing is a restoration of the ideas of America. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a restoration of the economic strength, a free market strength. We're seeing a cutting back of government, which is consistent with individual liberty and freedom. And and the Republicans, at least some of them, are kind of afraid to say it. I think they ought to embrace what's happening. They should totally embrace it. And that's why you see the struggles that, that are out there, because they won't. Uh, you know, you can say whatever you want about the president's personality, about his uh, his Twitter usage or whatever. But when you look at the policies, when you look at what is happening in the last year and a half, this is phenomenal. I mean, we're talking about record after record after record that is, that is happening. What I've urged, I do a little bit of consulting a client with our candidates. And I've said, you can say I replay, I embrace the, the Trump agenda. Not every tweet, not every word, not every bit of conduct his entire life. We knew who he was when we elected him. Yeah. He wasn't he wasn't a you know a pastor. We he wasn't a car boy. A pope, okay. Right. We weren't electing a pope. Right. He he was a guy who lived like a New York City billionaire and he had the right ideas and you gotta look at the outcome and the agenda. And I yeah. think his agenda is it's not far right. It's very mainstream it apple is. pie home you know, hometown America. It is. I mean love your country. And when he says America first, I find it so interesting that you have people saying that America first is not Christian. Well, I mean, what what are you talking about? I mean, we, we want to be able to see our country to do as best as it possibly can. And, and this country is built upon a Judeo-Christian faith heritage that, you know, talks about the individual. I mean, the, the inalienable rights of the individual are granted by the creator. And so why aren't our principles so, so important? Why aren't our principles, you know, first love for this country, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness? There is a, it's truly just shocking to me, the failure of the left to just, to be able to connect the dots between America's exceptional, exceptionalness <laughs> as a nation since its founding to its founding ideas. They I mean, that, like that's, that, that, right, because there's no control, there's no power there's in America. There's no control, there's no power. You yeah. know, you go back and you read the, the 10 or so planks of, of Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels and the Communist Manifesto, and it shows you exactly what they want. You know, the abolition of private property, uh, you know, state control of schools, progressive taxation, all of those things are right there. And the other thing is that relates to all this, the American left's just utter determination to minimize, if not destroy, the impact of Christianity in America. To push Christianity to the side is not really that important. They want to elevate the moral equivalency of all faiths, including secular humanism and atheism, and not to recognize that the, the, the very, I mean, I was using the expression, God was in the midst of the founding. The Judeo-Christian God was, was influencing yeah, but, thought. And, but the thing is, Debbie, if you, if you push God out of the marketplace, if you undermine God and his ability to even say there are two genders, then who replaces God as far as the grantor and therefore the taker of your rights? It's man. It's government. It's the state. Yeah. 
Right, exactly. And this is what the, uh, why the left is so troubled. It's why, you know, in a more extreme case, why when communists come to power, among the first things they do is destroy, they kill the priests, the pastors, they destroy the religion because they can't have the people's hearts and minds trustful in God and in faith. They've got to be, the people have to be loyal to independent in government. Okay, on that related note, because we were yeah. talking about the great articles on your new website, another one's called Kids Caught in the Backlash Against Christianity. And it's basically about how foster children are suffering because the American left, that left-wing anti-Christian mindset was is unwilling to permit children to enter foster homes uh, that are sup- supplied by or uh, organized yeah, the by services. the Catholic services. Absolutely, because the whole thing, you know, Debbie, again, for the left, their ideological agenda reigns supreme. It's more important than those kids being able to have a good home because the Catholic Church does not stand for or agree with same-sex marriage. It's just the same as, think about it, the little sisters of the poor. The little (laughs) sisters of the poor had to go to the Supreme Court because Barack Obama and the progressive socialist left thought that their contraception mandate was more important than the good work that the little sisters of the poor was doing. It is still breathtaking. And that even that name, the Little Sisters of the Poor, it just, I mean, it conjures up this precious, sweet image. They're just doing these sweet nuns doing everything they can think of to help the poor and to help just lift their lives up. And then they have to spend money to fight the government about a contraception mandate. Yeah. Anyway, so I love that article. And I want to point out that, you know, that really the left always claims that we're the one that cares about the little guy. We care about nah. children. We care. Yeah. The real impact their policies is kids can't find foster homes because the foster Foster homes that they're available to them through Catholic charities are impermissible to left-wing mindset because, heaven forbid, those intact family units convey Christian faith and And, and nuclear family units. And again, if you want to understand how little the left cares about children, look at the national health system over there in England, what it did with Charlie Gard, what it did with Alfie Evans. And I think you have another story about what recently happened over there where— it's their ideological agenda. It's socialized medicine is more important than the lives of our little babies. It's staggering. We talked about both those cases that uh, Alan, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West just mentioned. I mentioned one other one. It's up again on our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. But this woman in England had twin infants. And as many people know, twins often arrive early because they're just a lot. And so they, they arrive early. This woman uh, gave birth to her twins at 22 weeks and five days. And actually, interestingly, that was exactly the timeline when they said, okay, if it's 22 weeks and like she had to get two or three more days and then they was okay, we'll provide care. But they've got a recording of her in the delivery room. The babies were born alive. And all the care the doctors provided was putting them under a heat lamp. One lasted a short amount of time, but the other baby, who was a tiny bit larger, lasted, lived about four hours, was crying, and they would not provide medical care because they said those babies aren't viable. Just think of that in America. You think, I mean, the stories you hear of people who have babies very early, have premature, and everyone's rooting for them, and you could about cry when you recognize these babies finally emerge with all the love and care of the system and the nurses and the doctors and the parents, and they go on live uh, normal lives. But the calculation in the English and the, the socialized medicine world is uh, we run our numbers, we got charged, not likely to survive, and they just let these babies die. They don't see a human life. They see a number. And think about this, folks. The Independent Payment Advisory Board, that's part of the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act known as Obamacare, unelected bureaucrats making decisions on medical services. No different from what you see in England. 
which segues well to this other point about the upcoming midterm elections. I realize they're not till November. I do know this, but I feel like they're going to there's so much talk about them and the blue wave and how, you know, I think if the Republican Party could run on. We are not going to permit this country to go to socialized medicine. We're not going to go single payer. We're going to save you from cases like Charlie Gard and these twin babies. And then the second one is, and we actually like that you have more money in your pockets. We're going to be the ones who hold on the tax cuts. And then I, I guess I don't want to, maybe they don't want to run strongly on a peach Trump or not, because maybe that's a, that's a challenging one. But the oh, last but, one, but hold but on to your guns. Safe. You're more safe. Yes. You know, we are rebuilding our military and you're more safe. You're not tuning in to news and you're hearing about ISIS beheading people again. Yeah, I just think there's a tremendous agenda to run on. And I think with the left, you know, you mentioned it earlier, uh, Lieutenant Colonel West, about how you know, with the Democrats, what are they really saying to America? What's the reason? To, beside that, they've tried to engender hate of President Trump. What is it they're offering the American people? Nothing. They're offering the American people their control. Uh, and and remember how when the Obama uh, cut the payroll taxes and they got $40, $40 back. And how they were just apoplectic yeah. and just, just love. You get $40. But now all of a sudden, $2,000 is crumbs. It's crumbs. It's amazing. It is amazing. It's hypocritical. <laughs> that too. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, thank you so much for coming in. I love having you here. I want to also thank Greg Lindemood, who uh, weekly comes up with my clips, even when I don't get them to him by the Friday at noon deadline. So grateful that he does that. And also just thanks to all our listeners. I urge you to go to our Facebook page, America Can We Talk. We love comments. Email me, America Can We Talk at gmail.com. I will reply. Um, and you can go to our YouTube page and you can make comments there too, uh, as long as they are polite. If you, if they're not polite, we do delete them. Anyway, love listening, uh, talking to you every week. Come back next week to America Can We Talk. And oh yeah, tune in Wednesday, 3 p.m. Central Time. We do my podcast once a week. Talk. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to americacanwetalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America. America.